Okay, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Dr. April Murdaugh here, and I am excited. I am so excited because uh, real quickly, I, I might have shared this story sometime in the past, and uh, you may have heard it on her podcast as well, but um, as you know, I have my own business, and in owning my own business, I've always hired business coaches because I'm a very driven, ambitious person. And I felt like, okay, I needed someone to help me to get to the next level. And um, that was very important to me. And so um, that was my focus. So I hired a business coach that was in my industry and she helped me to move my business, move the needle. And, um, but there were always some personal things that were seeping out that I just felt like I didn't deal with. And I thought it would be handled with business. And then one day, um, I am a part of the American Business Women's Association. And one day I happened to uh, be invited to one of their conferences in Lakeland, Florida. And this young lady got up and she spoke and she did a workshop that she said it would take probably a day to do. Um, and I believe her, it was so intense. It was so intense for me. I learned so much. And I think at the end, I was so emotional because she really talked about a lot of things. She had her wheel and all that. I'm, I'm sure she'll talk about that today. And I was just immediately struck by her and we became connected and she was, you know, dripping on me and sending emails and, and, um, newsletters. And I just did not know what a life coach did. I did not, I was not really interested in a life coach. And it took about a year for me to realize that maybe I needed some work on me and not just on my business because without me, the business wouldn't run. So long story to say, I uh, connected with her and we worked together for about three months of kind of intense weekly work and she really helped me to deal with some of my belief systems and gave me a coping strategy that I use to this day. In fact, I texted her last week and told her that I, I employed this coping strategy and uh, it truly works. So today I have with me uh, Miss Sophia Hyde. Um, she is a life coach. Uh, she really helps people, uh, successful people maybe get unstuck or people starting businesses. She'll tell you more about what she does and who her target market is, but I want to welcome her today to the podcast, Ms. Sophia Hyde. Thank you. Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm glad you're here. So Sophia, tell us a little bit about you. Tell me a little bit about you and how things work, how you get started, how did you get started, all of that. Sure. So I've been a life coach for only about four years. Technically, I finished my uh, train, my, my certification, my training four years ago. But I knew for 12 years that I wanted to be a life coach. It just took me a decade to hmm. uh, a couple of things. One, I my life was was really messy and disorganized and I did and and not at a stable place where I felt worthy enough to help like you know you're I just feel like your life coach should somewhat have their life together <laughs> and so it, at the time that I realized this is what I wanted to do um I had also realized that I first had to let everything I had crumble and rebuild it like I realized that my house of cards was fragile and that I needed to rebuild um something different that that could take me where I wanted to go and um and so there was that 
And then also, I think it took a while to really get to the place of worthiness. So after I became a life coach and went through coach training and started working with people, I realized, and I, I don't know if your podcast is all clean language, but there's just only one way to say this, which is, which was, um, damn, I had this in me all along. So it's like, I thought I had to wait a decade because sure, I had some financial messes to clean up and I had some relationship stuff to clean up, but the skills of coaching and, and the way I'm able to help people, that was always in there. And so after I started coaching, I realized that I didn't need to wait that decade. It was just in my head. You know, I believed that I had to reach some certain milestones to be worthy enough to help other people. And I think all of us deal with that. I know I deal with that as well in the line of work that I'm in. But tell me, how did you overcome that? Because obviously, I guess you had to be your own student or your own. Yeah. So that I, yeah. And honestly, I don't, I wouldn't say I even regret it because the, the work that I did in that decade, um, the grit I had to apply, right. To be like, I'm going to figure this out. Um, those are, those in, those are being the very skills and lessons and experiences that make me a good coach. Um, but how I overcame it was I hit the point where when you know what you're supposed to be doing in the world, like, and, and this, not everybody has this experience and everybody has this clarity and everybody knows, you know, where, like, which puzzle piece they fit in. Right. Um, and that is sometimes part of the work, but I did know. Um, and I kept saying one day, um, and eventually you get to a point where you're like, wait a second, I know what my dream is. I know what my goal is. I know what I want to be doing in the world. How long am I going to keep kicking the can down the road mm -hmm. and putting it off before I finally just say it's time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hit that point where I was like, it is time for me to be doing what I know I'm truly supposed to be doing in the world. And I signed up for coach training and, you know, the, the reality is it was available to me. When I look back at my timeline, I, around 2013, I made a different business decision. And I think it was, I was scared of really stepping into my purpose and my calling. And I, I, that was the time that I should have gone to found a coach training of some sort. And instead I, um, I did what felt more comfortable because to really follow your dream and do like the thing, there is this, it's way scarier because it's like, if I fail at this, and this is what I had like all my eggs in. If I fail at this, then I've actually failed. But if I dabble at this other stuff that is fun and exciting, but it's not really my, like my whole, you know, inner world is not actually attached to it. Then if I fail at this, then whatever, that didn't mean that much to me anyway, moving on, you know? And so I also think that some of that was wrapped up in there too. I finally just had to hit the point where I was like, I need to go do my work. No, no more, no more kicking the cane down the road. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. I know that feeling. There's so many different distractions. I remember when I, I dabbled in this industry for so long and a, a friend of mine who'd been in the industry forever trying to get me in and I started working on my doctorate and she was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And I, at first I was insulted. Like, why would you question that? I mean, you know, I'm the first in my family to do something at this level. But really what her question was, is like, you're avoiding, you know, what you should be doing. 
And so uh, it took me a long time to get there too. So, well, I'm glad that you acquiesced and you did your work because I think to be a good coach of any sort, you really have had to have that experience so that you too can recognize that in the folks that you work with. And I think you can identify with it and really be able to coach them in a way that maybe help them not wait so long to make those decisions and those choices. So I appreciate that. So today though, you know, I want to talk about, well, first of all, before I even get into that, tell me like who you work with, who are the folks that you coach? You know what? Gosh, this is, first of all, most of my clients are entrepreneurs. And I think that that is because entrepreneurs value investing in themselves. Like you were touching on this earlier about you realize you invest in yourself. The thing about owning a business is that your business can never outgrow you. Your personal growth and development will always be the glass ceiling holding back your business. Mm-hmm. And because I spent my entire adulthood as an entrepreneur, um, I, I, I know the entrepreneur world so well. I was, I was just designed that way. I am not a nine to fiver. The four years of my life that I did was very suffocating and hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, I just, I have this DNA. And so I get entrepreneurs. They feel really seen by me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, in one breath, I say that, but I have a couple of clients who aren't entrepreneurs. Um, And so the people who come to me, come to me and I have, um, men and women who are my clients, I've coached ages, teenager to retirees, um, and, and people with many different cultural, racial, ethnic backgrounds. So the thing, the interesting thing though, is it's continually the same exact tools. It's the same mindset. Like the things that people are struggling with, it's consistently the same things, um, across gender, across age, like all these ways that we think our experiences may be unique. And, and trust me, everybody does have their own unique life experience. I'm not trying to say that, but the things that will set us all free, it's consistently very, very, very similar. Like, it, the, and I guess it comes down to like, we're all humans and the human experience is the human experience. And so we, a lot of times we're like beating ourselves up over these things. And I can't tell you how often I just say to somebody like, welcome to being human, like, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of grace involved, but my clients, um, typically come to me because some, there is some level of, uh, frustration or stuckness, like something isn't moving the way they want it to be moving. Um, they've hit a wall somewhere in some way. And, and so, it, I have uh, probably half my clients are ADHD because I'm ADHD. And so I think when people are, so people who are easily distracted have, t- you know, I've, oh, if I could just be more disciplined, if I could just focus, you know, so those kind of people can, will come to me and I can and move them through that. Um, but yeah, I have, um, I have been blessed with the most, uh, I, I, it's hard for me to name a niche. I haven't, maybe I will one day get there, but right now I am just soaking in the joy of these vastly different experiences I get to work with. No, that's cool. That's cool. And I think um, something you said I, I had to jot down was your personal growth and development would, will not outgrow your business. And I think that was my struggle, right? Because for, for me personally, because I know that, you know, I, I don't have a problem doing the work. Like if you tell me to walk 10 paces, I'm going to walk 10 paces. If you tell me to make 
50 phone calls. I'm going to do the work, right? So that wasn't an issue, but working on me personally and dealing with mindset issues that probably date back to, for me, I know childhood and, and experiences and things of that nature, um, not realizing that those things can, can block my business growth and development and so how they go hand in hand. So talk to us about that. Like, how do you help people there, especially in our situation and in, you know, based on this podcast, it's really about, you know, money and moving people uh, that may deal with some really tough money mindset issues. And, and tell us about, you know, maybe where that stems from, maybe from your experience and some of the things that you do without giving away the whole, you know, kitchen sink, uh, some of the things that you do to help people get through that. Listen, if I could give away the whole kitchen sink on this podcast, I would. Like, I, <laughs> I am not here to withhold anything. Um, but the the thing is, when it comes, when it comes to specifically money, um, the interesting thing is that this is one area where everybody's experience really is very different and very, and very unique and very nuanced. Um, and I think one of the tools that you're referring, you mentioned earlier, you know, you referred to the tool that you are still using. Um, and, and what to the listeners, what she was talking about is a tool I have called the thought wheel. And that is, um, a, a way for us to rewrite our thoughts. I spent many years here in the personal growth and development space, hearing about limiting beliefs, your limiting beliefs, you know, beliefs hold you back. It's your thoughts. Um, and you know, I worked with a couple of coaches over the years to help me discover my limiting beliefs, but I'm a very DIY girl. Like just, I, I just want to just get in there and do the work. And I don't want to wait till my next appointment or something like that. No, like I want to do things in the moment, um, grab it, you know, grab by the reins and take control. Like that is just how I am. And so I was very frustrated because I felt like I how do I see my own limiting beliefs? How do I look in my own mirror instead of having needing somebody else to hold up a mirror for me? Mm -hmm. And um, I developed this tool called the thought wheel and it's not anything special. I just combined, I found like a dozen different tools from other people who they didn't, whatever reason they didn't work for my brain. And so I just developed this one as like a combining on all of their other work, putting it into one place kind of a thing. Um, and so, you know, that, you know, I think of that quote, um, I only can see further because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. So mm. I say that when I think of the thought wheel, I'm just standing on the shoulders of really amazing people in psychology and coaching who've come before me. And so I, all I did was just take essentially journal prompt questions that help you to really look inward and move through what's going on in your inside world. Um, but one thing that is different that I had not seen other places, I just found that it really worked best for me this way was to start with the feelings. So the prompt, like when you go into the, in using this thought wheel tool is when you have this like big feeling, like a trigger. And, you know, I call my, my, my trigger is often wanting to go eat ice cream at 10 o'clock at night. Um, you know, when that sugar starts hitting me after the house is quiet and everything is slowed down suddenly when it's quiet, that's when the, the stuff starts to bubble up that we've been avoiding or putting off or not addressing. And, and we go to look for our escape. And so for some people, they escape through, for me, it's food. 
Um, but for other people, it might be alcohol. It could be pornography. It can be um, drugs. It can. There's so many coping mechanisms where people are like, "Oh, something doesn't feel right. Escape." It, it can be binging Netflix. You know, mm -hmm. these are not things that are bad. There's nothing wrong with eating ice cream. The problem is when we use them as escapes. And so when those urges and that escapism and that craving to numb starts to hit, I needed. I realized that 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 was actually the invitation. That was the doorway to say, you need to do some work. And I would inevitably find one of these limiting quote unquote limiting beliefs. I would find a thought that wasn't serving me underneath the surface of that always. And so um, for those of you listening, if you go to my website, faveself.com, F-A-V-E self.com, there's a free course called um, how to manage your um, uh, urges and escapism. That's what this tool is. It's just where I'm going to introduce the thought wheel. You can download the PDF. You can get these journal prompt questions. And when those things start to bubble up, you can move through them. And it's built on the cognitive behavioral therapy principle, which is that our thoughts create our feelings. Our feelings create our, or lead to our behaviors and our behaviors create our results. And so at the end of the day, whatever we're doing, however we're feeling, it's actually a result of what's going on in our head. So we have to address these thoughts. And many, many, many times our thoughts are lying to us. They are not the truth. And so when we can get to the point that we recognize as humans, I am not my thoughts. They're not true. They're just there. I, Sophia, April, I am the person able to observe the thoughts. And so we have to disconnect from them, be able to hold them like they're malleable and be able to say, oh, look at this. Look what has arrived, like a package. Oh, look what has arrived. This is interesting. What is this? And then be able to decipher and say, is this true or is this not? Is this serving me or is this not? And so we have to be able to separate ourselves from our thoughts. And that's really where the work begins. And then you can take that principle and apply it to every area of your life. So mm -hmm. for the purpose of this podcast, specifically when it comes to money, let's take that and apply it to money. So now we have something bubbling up. Maybe it's financial stress. Maybe sometimes, sometimes the stress can be that there's actually more than you're used to. Maybe you've been living your life with less than $2,000 in your bank account your whole life. Suddenly you've had a couple of good paychecks or months or whatever. Now you're sitting on six or 10,000 and you're like, what do I do with this? It's very uncomfortable. And so what most people do is then they go to figure out how to spend it. Let me get it out of the bank account, right? Because this needs to go somewhere. They're not used to holding that much money. And so even just having a few extra thousand dollars could cause these feelings to arrive. But what most people will do is they'll just go and take those actions. They won't pause to be like, wait, 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 wait hold on. I feel uncomfortable. Let me listen to this. Is this true? Right. Is this thought that I have to spend this money? Is this true? Is it, and, and, you know, this is, this is where the work is, right? Because when you separate it, you're like, wait, this thought isn't actually true. Maybe this is time for me to start a savings account. <laughs> like instead <laughs> of spending this, this is now the time for me to open that emergency fund or talk to somebody about investing, you know, but everybody has, you know, that's like a, a, an initial glass ceiling, but that, that doesn't change. Like that discomfort is even with money, that glass ceiling is always going to be there. So maybe when you're moving from being broke to being stable, it's, you know, it is the difference of a couple thousand dollars, but 
as you grow your business, you know, my husband and I now are exceeding six figures in a year. And so the growth is now going to be, you know, as those months get bigger and the months continue to get bigger, it's now, okay, how do I hold this? What is, what is keeping this feel like? And then it'll be seven figures. Like I know the vision of where my business is going and I will be running an eight figure business one day. But to get there, I have to continue to break each glass ceiling along the way. It will not be an exponential jump from right here to an eight-figure business. It is going to be starting with each level of discomfort and welcoming in those feelings, doing the stretching, doing the growing, figuring out what has to be true at each level to expand myself because at the end of the day, it is truly, it's about our, it, it always comes back. It always comes back to the thoughts and the feelings over and over and over again. You know, gosh, you said so much <laughs> there. And you know, that is really the beginning though, the thoughts, you know, dealing with those thoughts and those feelings, you know, one of the things or a few things that I hear a lot when I work with women are like, I'm bad with money. Uh, it's too difficult. I'm not good with math. For some yeah. reason, there's these misnomers that you need to be a genius at math. Um, what does bad with money actually look like? Maybe it is like you said, not holding the space to understand that, oh, I've gotten this increase. Now, how do I deal with it? As opposed to now going back to that, that habit of, well, I don't know. I don't have enough. I'm bad with it. So I've got to spend it. It's going to go. Yeah. Um, for me, I know for me, and I think you and I talked about this, even though I do this work, uh, there are times I struggle with avoidance, you know, it's better to just avoid it, numb it, um, because maybe I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move yeah. in this next to yeah. this next level. And yeah. so the numbing, the escaping, the Netflix, <laughs> the yeah. not looking at it at all, you know, you know yeah. what you're touching on here? what you're touching on is fear. So mm -hmm. these, these clients who are saying, I'm not good with money. I can't manage it. I'm bad with math. Okay. What we are actually now, again, everybody is a nuanced experience. If I were actually to get deep into a conversation with this person, there, there could be an exception to this rule, but many times what that is actually, if we were to go name that emotion, we're naming fear. Okay. They are afraid of something in there. Okay. And if we get into the fear, do you know what one of the best ways to combat fear is, is competency. The more that you actually know, the more exposure that you have to the information, the smaller the fear. And I want to tell you a story about what happened to me earlier this year. Um, a girlfriend who knew I was afraid of snakes recommended I join this Facebook group. And she said, girl, I joined this Facebook group and it has been huge at helping me decrease my fear of snakes. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. Let's do this. Okay. So what this group is, is it's tens of thousands of people that are it's specifically for Floridians. Okay. And, and I'm sure there's one for other States too, but I'm in the Florida group because I live in Florida. And what this group does is anybody can take a picture of any snake anywhere in Florida, post it there. And then people will name it. Okay. So they will be like, that's a cotton mouth. 
that's a rattlesnake, that's a corn snake, that's a black racer. And then they will just, they will um, say whether it is ve venomous or not. Mm -hmm. By the way, those snake people do not like the word poisonous. They are very triggered by that word. <laughs> it is venom. So either the snake is venomous or it is not. Um, and then they'll, um, you'll just learn about it. Okay. And so, so many of these people who are, you know, have the, were the admins or the educators in this group, they love these snakes. Like they find them these beautiful creatures. Okay. So these pictures started dominating my, every time I would log into Facebook, there'd be a picture of a snake. And then the comments would be like, that's a corn snake. They're so sweet. That's a black racer. Keep him around. He's going to eat all your rats. Like they're just so wonderful. And, and over and over again, they were like this. And then even, even when you get to the venomous snakes, they'd be like, oh my gosh, it's venomous protected. Here's what you do. Stay away. You need to call this number. They'll relocate it. But nobody there was like, kill the snake, hate the snake. And they were all like, they're so beautiful. We just got to do the right thing. Now, the only ones that I will say that they were like, kill that MFR is those, the ones that are taking over the Everglades. The, what is that? The, um, uh, what is it? There's the, is it, is it boa constrictors? No, 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 no. I don't know. Whatever. There is the really giant snakes that are destroying the Everglades and everybody wants those guys dead. But with the exception of those guys, all these snake people just love these beautiful snakes. And so what started happening was what I had a lot of fear around, I started being able to name, right? I'd be like, uh, over time, you know, um, I could, I would test myself and I'd see the picture come up. I'd be like, oh, I think that was a corn snake. Let me see if I'm right. I think that's it, you know? And so I started moving from, oh God, this is triggering. Well, every time I open up Facebook, I'm seeing snakes everywhere to like, oh, this is intriguing. Now I'm, I'm moving into curiosity. I'm moving into interest. And all that led up to July. I did, I think I joined maybe March, April, something like that. Well, in July, we went on a family vacation to Virginia and we were on a hike going to go see this waterfall. And, um, we saw the waterfall. It's like, a, it was, a, it was, it was one or two miles there, one or two miles back. And as we're coming back, we hear this family shout. And then I come around the corner and there is this very long, large black snake direct. When I say like blocking the sidewalk, I mean, literally the path, they were longer than the path and they were taking up the whole thing. There was no continuing to walk. So the family like paused on a bridge and then we were approaching. And so us and this other family were both on each side of this very large black snake and past Sophia, Sophia from six months before that experience would have started doing a heebie-jeebie dance freaking out. And then my kids would have responded to that because they were like, ah, there's a snake. Oh my gosh. I would have been like hyperventilating. It would have been trouble breathing. It, like it would have been a whole scene. Okay. It, it would have been a whole scene, but because I'd had all this exposure and all this context, I came upon the snake. I saw it before my husband or my kids did. And I just, it was so funny. All I did was go, Oh, wow. That's a thing. Okay. That is a thing that is happening now. And I, I was like, it's, it's a, I think it's a black racer. Turns out in Virginia, they're not the same as the Florida snakes. So the people educated me and told me that I didn't actually see a black racer. I saw something else. But the point was, it was non-venomous. It was a harmless snake. And I knew whether it's venomous or not, the answer is always the same, which is leave them alone. Like if you leave them alone, they'll go about their way. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up, of all of the adults in the situation, I ended up leading the like, the 
the, the, the energy of the space. I was like, everybody, this is what's happening. This is what we're going to do. And then, you know, it started moving along. Everybody passed by. We even took some pictures and video of it. And um, the snake was moving like really, really slowly. So either he had just eaten or it was, it was kind of chilly. And so he was cold, but he moved along his way. Um, and I, I tell you this snake story because it has everything to do with money mm-hmm. and it has everything to do with every fear that we have. Yeah. The answer to our fears is exposure. So for the clients who are like, I'm not good with money. I'm scared of investing. I, what do I do with this $20,000 that has come into my life and how do I move it? Like when that fear comes, the answer is exposure, education. Like the more that you know, the more you understand when you understand how budgets work and how to run one, when you understand what's happening, when you invest your money, where is it going? When you understand how the fees work, when you understand how growth happens, when you understand the difference between high risk and lowest, when you become more educated and when you can be an expert on your own money, there is no fear anymore because you have the information and you have the knowledge. And so competency will overcome fear. That is so awesome. That is, I'm going to use that like fear X competency, like it, you know, that well, competency X fear, because it does shut it down. And I think for me, I think that's what sets uh, me apart from a lot of people. The way they do work is because it's education first. You know, I, I always, when you know better, you do better. And so you just said it in, in that great story is to, hey, get yourself educated. And then you become more confident. You become more powerful. Now you're able to control the situation. Such a powerful, powerful story. Yeah, and part of that story is my children, they were at first scared. They saw, ah, snake. And then they saw that mom, and my husband's not afraid of snakes. So he was always in, he's calm AF in general. It's his personality. So (laughs) like I, um, when my children saw that mom and dad were freaking out, mom and dad were calm. Mom normally would have been doing a heebie-jeebie dance, but instead I just was like, this is happening. I was really chill about it. Um, my children then became chill. They were like, oh, this is completely uninteresting or, or, you know, like this is not, this is not something to freak out about. They, they weren't scared of the snake because we weren't scared of the snake. And I think, you know, let's circle this back to money. What many people are dealing with is a generational issue with money, mm-hmm. right? They are d- no different than if I would have done a scared dance, my children would have done a scared dance. I would have taught my children to be scared of the snakes. They would have gone on to also one day become a 36 year old woman doing a heebie-jeebie dance over a snake because I taught them that because I, you know, and so the same thing is happening with money. We all have our own experiences with how money was talked about in our homes, handled in our homes. And we've accepted that as normal because that was our exposure. Um, and by the way, the, the, the thing with the, um, what I did with the snakes is technically called exposure therapy. They do that with people who have really big phobias with so they're super, you know, if they, if they have a fear that becomes debilitating, uh, you know, to be able to go up their day to day life and they go get help for it, you know, therapists and psychologists and whatnot will use exposure therapy. And that is all that that was. And, um, and so when it comes to money, many people have these thoughts, these behaviors, these fears that came about as a result of what they were exposed to 
and all they know is what they have seen and been exposed to. And so what is the solution? Becoming exposed to new and different things. For me, I healed so much of my money stuff um, just by starting to listen to financial podcasts. So good on y'all for who are listening right now, because when I knew that I needed to have a, a breakthrough in my finances, I got educated and I just listened to every single day. I would get ready listening to financial podcasts. I would be driving in the car, listening to financial podcasts. I just listened more and more and more. I read books because I needed somebody else's thoughts in my head. All I had had is the thoughts that I had grown up with. And both my husband and I um, grew up in homes that were, we did, neither of us ever experienced poverty. We never missed a meal. Um, we always had stability, but both of us were just above that. So I don't know if you would call that lower middle class. We had blue collar parents. So we always had a roof over our head and food, but there was never money for anything else. Mm -hmm. So it was, we always felt poor, right? We always felt like there was never enough. We there, you know, money was always very stressful. Both of us had mothers who cried a lot about money. Like it was money was always scary and it was hard and it was stressful. Um, there was never enough. Neither of us were, both of us grew up in homes where there was never enough money. Um, and so all we then went on to repeat that we had money, had this never enough feeling, this scary feeling, this stressful feeling. And so what I went through that season of my life, 20, 16, 17, I became infatuated with learning as much as I could about money. And I listened to podcasts and my books and all that stuff. What that did was it exposed me to new ideas and new ways of thinking. And when I could, could start to think about money, the same way that wealthy people started thinking about money, I was able to begin growing my own wealth because I just needed new ideas. I needed new thoughts. I needed um, a new rhythm of how I interacted with money. Wow. And that is so true. Like you, and just in the snake story, you took something that was legacy. I mean, it was your legacy all the time to scream and be nervous and go into fear. And now you changed your whole child, your children's trajectory moving forward. Right. So the legacy of fear, when they approach a snake now may be different because they've seen you approach it in a different way. And the same thing I think with money is you're right. Exposing yourself, getting the education that you need reading. I know for myself, that was the catalyst for me. It was, I knew it had to be a better life. I knew that I should not have to struggle. I knew people that didn't appear now, I, you know, you can't, you don't know what you don't know, but they appeared to not have to struggle as much as I did. And I wanted to be like them. And so I started reading the things that maybe I saw them reading or reading things about money. And once I educated myself, exactly, I became more confident and I began to share it with the world. And here we are, is, you know, the work that I do. That is so, so important is getting the education, becoming knowledgeable, and that will help your confidence. You know, I was reading something the other day and um, I put it on LinkedIn, you know, only 28% of women feel financially confident. And a lot of the women, and these are, I work with a lot of women that are quite successful, uh, maybe first generation millionaires, first generation medical professionals, first generation successful entrepreneurs, and they don't know how to handle money because they've never been taught. They know how to make money um, and they do it very well, but there are some, you know, 
trauma that they've experienced and that trauma has stayed with them and paralyzed them in a way that has them behaving in a in a fear state and I will tell you I was one of those women I mean you met me and even though I did the work that I I do the work that I do there were times where it was paralyzing for me as I started moving to the next level or the fact that being an entrepreneur has such a cyclical uh, financial situation. How do you deal with the ups and downs or the inconsistencies of the money that comes in? And so getting educated on that and reframing your beliefs is very important. And so, you know, it's funny, you helped me do that. And I have on my computer, my beliefs. Ah, yes. Love, love, love it. <laughs> so I always have them here. Um, but education is extremely, extremely important. So, so, I mean, you talked about the wheel and, you know, how do you deal with, how do you help people reframe their thoughts and their beliefs? Are there any other things that you do to kind of help folks get into that or change their mindset or apply, you know, any other strategies that you would I, say? I mean, there's... In infinite, right? There's so there are so many strategies, and um, we could talk about that all day. But I, one of the common ones, you know, you just touched on it. You said that you have your quotes right here. Um, it goes back to that exposure. So when I have something um, that I'm trying, a new thought, I'm trying to integrate, a new belief, I'm trying to integrate. I will the same, you know, the same advice I gave you, like put it on a sticky note or an index card and tape it wherever you're going to see it the most. So whether it's around your computer, I have them around my mirror where I get dressed in the morning for many, for many years. Um, I've had them in my bathroom. So when I'm brushing my teeth, I'm looking at it. I've had them in my car so that when I'm driving, it's on the dashboard. And it's like, whatever that next thought is, I, I have it wherever I need to see it. So I constantly am reminding myself about it. And my expansion and my growth is generally one new idea at a time. And I'm going to like be repeating and integrating this new, the new thing, like whatever is holding me back and causing my most, my blockages, I have the new thing I'm trying to override it with. And, um, I'm trying to expand there and I will just work on that growth to integrate that idea. And then it becomes so internalized for me that I'm now ready for the next one, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like one thought, one idea, one belief at a time. And, and I mean, like my mirror has multiple, so I'm not saying you can't have more than one, but generally there is usually one overarching idea that is my main growth, you know, at, at every season of my life. Hmm. So this, you, this is constant. I think for me, when you taught me these, this strategy, particularly the thought wheel, it is something that I employ all the time. Um, the struggle that I have sometimes is remembering like, oh gosh, I need to deal with this feeling. This feeling is overwhelming and then running to it. And I will tell you, those of you listening out there, it is a game changer. I usually leave my session with myself <laughs> having done that, like, whew, okay, now I have a new belief that I have to incorporate in my thinking, in my mantra, um, in my mental focus. And I feel, I feel cathartic. I, I don't know if that makes sure. sense. I, sure. I feel like a release of the pressure that I may have been dealing with that led me to deal with that or go to the yeah. wheel. So, you know, for those who are listening, April, but it's okay. I, I want to give, I have a, and this is in the training. So if you download from my website, you're going to hear 
this again, but I think people learn the most through stories. And so we're talking about this thought wheel and it might be confusing. Like, what are we talking about? I'm going to give them just a quick example that I like to use of the, one of the times I used it. So you guys can see like, what is she talking about? What is she moving through? So one day I was, um, feeling that trigger to like, go get the ice cream. It was 10 o'clock at night. I had been sitting on the couch scrolling Instagram. And then suddenly I felt like a calling to go to the fridge. And I was like, what is this? And I had been doing this work. I had been trying to incorporate this work into my life. And so I paused and instead of opening up the freezer, I was like, no, I need to go get out that worksheet that I, you know, developed. And I need to, this is a time when you use it and let's see if this works. Let me go do the work. Right. And so I get out my worksheet and I didn't even know what I was feeling. All I knew was that I was feeling like eating ice cream, but beyond that, I didn't actually know why. And so I had to sit down and the first question is, what am I feeling? What emotion am I feeling? And I had to name it. And when I paused and the pause is everything guys, the pause is where it is at. And when I paused, I realized it was jealousy and sadness. It was prompted because when I was scrolling Instagram, um, this was the summer, I came across this picture of this woman I follow online and she had taken her daughter to the beach. And it was this beautiful little eight-year-old girl laughing with the beach. And the mom had put this quote, you only get 18 summers, which then triggered me to realize that I had not taken my kids to the beach who my kids loved the beach. This would have been, I live in Florida. This was, um, the beginning of July. Um, and I hadn't taken my kids to the beach yet. And actually, as I stopped, stopped, paused to think about it, we had done zero fun things that summer at all. Um, because there was a lot going on. It was a very overwhelming period of time in our life. We were dealing with a medical issue with my daughter, trying to get to the bottom of it in a holistic way. So we had turned up our entire house, all the food, all the lifestyle, like my brain was in mental overload. I was processing so many things. I had just found out I was ADHD as well. So it's like, I'm trying to like process, like how I moved through the world, holding all this space for my daughter. Like I was emotionally exhausted. And so, yeah, I had not made any fun plans for my kids. I was getting by day to day, but I saw this picture it prompted me. And then when I was like, okay, so this is how I'm feeling. What? And then I realized what the next question is, what is the thought behind the feeling? And when I paused to think about it, the thought was, I am a bad mom. And then the next question is, what is factual and what is not? So it was like, is that really true? And then I paused and think, am I a bad mom? Hell no, I am an amazing mom. Why am I exhausted right now? Because I'm turning my entire life upside down to figure out how to get to the bottom of my daughter's needs. I am an amazing mother, but no, we had not gone to the beach and does not going to the beach make me a bad mom? No. And so you have to separate that, right? And so then I separated it. And so you look, okay, what is true and what is not true? And then the next question is, okay, what's in your control? What's not in your control? And so then I had to realize like, well, what can I really do about this? And I realized I was going to have to ask for help. Like I am only one person. I can only do so much here. And so I was like, okay, well, I have to ask for help. And then one of the questions is what's a new thought that you can think. And I was like, well, then my new thoughts could be that I am an amazing mom. And also I can ask for help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, it was like, then what the next question is, what is an action you can take? And so I thought, okay, I need, I need to just go ask for help. And so I, it was like 10 o'clock at night. I opened up Facebook messenger. Um, and in the work, like in the journaling, I realized it wasn't just the beach. My, my son was obsessed with fish at the time and he'd never been fishing. Um, and my daughter loved swimming. I hadn't even taken her to a pool that summer. And so the, um, thought was the new, the actions were, I'm going to ask my dad if he could take my son fishing. Like, I don't have to do this. So, um, and my husband doesn't fish and he, 
travels a ton for work. And so like, it wasn't that he's like, because I'm like, where's the dad? Well, he just physically wasn't there because he was doing his best. Right. And so um, anyways, I texted my dad and asked him, you know, can you take uh, Liam fishing? And then I texted my girlfriend who has a pool and we've been kept saying, you know, you do that for months. Oh, we need to do a pool day. We need to do a play date. We need to do a play date with the kids. I texted her and I was like, Hey, let's get that play date on the calendar. And then I texted another friend who I know loves to go to the beach and was like, girl, I've got to make some plans to go to the beach. Let's compare schedules. And I, and they were all still awake by 10 30. I had three dates on the freaking calendar or I could have been eating ice cream. You see the difference? Like I could have been eating ice cream, feeling bad about myself, or I took control. I made new beliefs. I took new actions. And, um, two days later, my son went fishing one month later was the pool date. And it was two months out, um, for the beach day. And that friend canceled at five o'clock in the morning, the day we were taking, I had already promised my kids, but because I had done this work and I have realized like I am in control of my life. Like it is, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And I realized this mattered to me. And so she had all the stuff. I asked that friend because, you know, you have the friends who go to the beach. They have the, the, the shelters and the coolers and the toy. Like they have all the crap that you have to bring with you when you go to the beach. I didn't have any of that stuff. And so that's specifically why I asked that friend. Well, when that friend bailed and I'd already promised my kids and I realized it apparently mattered a lot to me guess what I was doing? I loaded my kids up at six o'clock in the morning into our Toyota Prius. And I drove myself to Walmart and I bought all the stuff and we went and it was my son's first trip to the beach. My kids had a great time, but for me, I was showing myself, like, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. I am in control of my life. I am in control of my results and I am going to create the life that I want to be living. And by the way, let's not like keep perpetuating this. You only get 18 summers. Like hopefully you live a long life. Your kids do too. You can still make memories when they're adults. Um, that, that is a very shame inducing, um, quote, which I, you know, had to experience the shame side of it. <laughs> um, but all that to say, like you can move through that. And that is one example of the thought wheel. It is my go-to because so many people can relate to that one. Um, but you can use it with anything and absolutely positively, you can use it with your money mindset. When you start feeling uncomfortable around money, when you start feeling stressed around money, like go to the wheel, what is the, what, how are you feeling about it? And what is the thought underneath that? And is it true? Is it serving you? Do you need a new thought? Do you need a new belief? Do you need to take different actions? And you can take control and ownership over your life because it is your life. And if it is going to change, you have to be the one to make the changes. Absolutely. I mean, gosh, you said it all right there. <laughs> well, what, what I love about it is it's just not reframing the beliefs, right? Which is very important. Reframing the thoughts, reframing that that's very important, but then now taking action, knowing that you have control where you can change the situation to be in your favor so that it will in it will line up with your belief system. I think that is so important. And a lot of women deal with this when it comes to money. You know, they they feel like they've waited too late. Oh, you know, I've been working a lot. I haven't invested as much. I don't have enough saved. Um, I hear all the time from women, you know, I'm not your client. I'm not a millionaire. And I'm like, oh, do, you know, slow down. So when you say, when you said that quote was such a shame inducing quote, you, you don't know how many people use those types of quotes to keep them paralyzed, you know, and get and remind them of what they're not, that they're not worthy, that there's so much shame around 
managing money. I, I had a physician tell me like, I've, I've been just working, working. I've never really invested. I've never really done those things. And she felt a lot of shame about that. And the cool thing is, is that implementing your strategy allows you to help change the belief system, create new belief systems, new thoughts, but then get ask you the question, now, what can you do about it? What are you going to do? And I think that is so important. And that's why I liked working with you because it wasn't like, okay, April, just write these things down and frame new beliefs and say your mantras, but it's like, okay, so what are you going to do when this comes up? How are you going to implement the actual strategy. So that to me is so important. I love, I love that. That story is perfect. All right. So let's talk about, I know you have a book coming out. Um, tell us about that. When, when, when can we expect it out? How would they be able to get it? That sort of thing. Talk to us. About sure. That. So, you know, I, <laughs> I've announced three different release dates that haven't happened. So at this point, I think it's coming out this year. I have the final edit actually it was sent to me this past weekend. So it's the ball is back in my court now. It's been like, you know, it goes back and forth between the author and the editing team. And it's been back and forth all year. Um, many deadlines have been missed that are outside of my control. And so I, I don't have a release date, um, but I do think it's approaching. And I have every reason to believe it'll be out by the end of the year. Okay, <laughs> but okay. when I have it, I will let the world know. Um, so it, the book is titled Unleash Your Favorite Self. And my business is favorite self-coaching because I believe that the, you know, we've all grown up and, and in the last like 30 years, the personal growth and development space has been dominated by these words of like being your best self or your most successful self. But honestly, like those words can also be really shame triggering because there's like some sort of um, a connotation, whether we want to have it or not, of what best is supposed to look like, of what success is supposed to look like. And so we end up actually like drowning in all of these supposed tos. Um, and actually when, when we change the word to your favorite self, there's only one connotation with the word favorite and that's that you get to write the definition. And so when you start defining your life by being your favorite self, then you get to write what that means. And then the only work that you're set up setting out to do is create and design the life that you wrote and you get to release yourself from all that in those internalized beliefs that other people put on you, whether it was society or family or religion or wherever it came from, but it was outside of you. Like you get to take ownership and control and build a life in line with your value system. Um, and so that's the premise of what I do is, is favorite is releasing your favorite self is that is my business is I help people to write and define their own definitions and then set out to create it. Um, and so my book, Unleash Your Favorite Self, goes through all the spokes of the wheel of life and teaches how to do that inside. I have, there's 10 spokes and obviously we're not getting, one of them is financial, but you know, a lot of people need to do, a lot of the work is inside your mental spoke, which is, you know, mindset work. It's in self-care, which I do not define as pampering, but as energy management. So are you giving from a place of exhaustion or are you giving from a place of a, you know, abundance? It is in um, family. It is in relationships. It is in your um, friendships. You know, it's showing up. It's in your spiritual life. It's oh, your body, your physical health. So I go through all the spokes on the wheel of life and um, give some really helpful 
tools as far as how to unleash your favorite self in each of these areas. But I also know that people learn through story. And so the way that I wrote the book was, I, I remember telling my publisher, one of our very first meetings, I was like, the only way this is going to be successful is if I cut myself open and bleed onto these pages because I, so I basically just like opened up my life in every single one of these folks. So it's like half memoir and half tools because a whole book about tools would feel like a textbook. and would be boring. Mm -hmm. And a memoir is just about, you know, somebody else and their story. And that's interesting. And I wanted to really do, to do both. So it's like, I use my story to model these tools so that you can then understand how to use the tools and then go do it in your own life. And so it's a little bit of both. Well, I think that's what resonates with people is being transparent, knowing that you have had some of those experience before you even give the advice or the tools or the strategies and all that. So, okay. So you guys look out for her book coming soon. That's all we can say. So do you have a community or anything? Let's say, I know that you do some stuff on Facebook. Like how could I am, I am on, I, I do have a Facebook page, but it is mostly the stuff I post on Instagram that gets shared over to that. So I am predominantly on Instagram. My handle is at the Sophia Hyde. And that is the same handle on Facebook. Um, if you do go to my website to download the free course, the managing your, um, urges and escapism, you will get by downloading that you actually get put on my weekly emails. Um, and so trust me, if you're following me on Instagram or following me on Facebook, or you're getting the weekly emails, when I have a release date, it will definitely be announced. We will definitely be doing a countdown and there will be incentives for pre-orders and all that good stuff that comes with books. Awesome. It will be coming hopefully this year, but I've just stopped um, announcing dates because we've missed three of them at this point. It's, I think it, you know, it reminds me of people who custom build a house. So they're like, oh yeah, we're going to be moved in by Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then they're like still not moved in and still not moved in. And then it's like the next Thanksgiving, they're finally moving in. And you're like, this wasn't quite what I had planned. That's how, that's how I feel about writing my first book. <laughs> well, hey, listen, it happens to everyone. So uh, we'll just, I'll be excited when it comes out. Thank you. So, all right. So I have about three questions to wrap us up, unless you have something else you wanted to add. I mean, you've given so many gems here. You guys, if you're listening to this, th I mean, she is just literally laid out how to kind of conquer the money mindset challenges that you may be going through. And, you know, she gave you a free tool. I would encourage you. I would strongly encourage you. I have it on my computer right now. It's on my desktop. So that when I, when those things happen to me, I print it out and I get to work on it. So I would encourage you to visit her website and definitely download the tool, download the course, do whatever you need to do, because the step I'm telling you, the step to really living the life you want to, to having, being your favorite self. And, and I think for me, I, I was on the way to Bible study with a friend of mine the other day, and we're both at a stage in our lives where all of our children are grown now. They've all kind of left the nest and, um, or on their way out, they don't need us anymore. Let's say we, you know, helicopter mom stuff is over. Not that I've been that anyway, but now it's like, okay, so who am I? What does life look like for me? 
And I think that was also a question I had. That was one of the reasons I came to see Sophia as well. Was like, hey, my life is changing. Who am I? My business is changing. Um, and and favorite self was great because it wasn't like I had to fit this mold of, well, I had to be super mom and million dollar business owner, and I had to work, you know, two hundred hours a week and blah blah blah. It was really what I wanted my life to look like. So, you know, when it comes to money, I had to deal with that too. How much money do I really need? How, how, how do I want to feel about it? How do I want to manage it? How do I want to show up in the world when I'm dealing with people? So I would encourage you to get her stuff because it's powerful. All right, so we're going to wrap up and I left three questions. I always have these ending show questions for folks. And so... um. What's your favorite song that kind of gets you motivated? That yeah, you- yeah, yeah. So I think that um, you know it it it's seasonal. You know, it's it's definitely seasonal. It comes and goes. But right now, if I really needed to do a mindset shift or get myself going, I love a song called Pluto by the artist Jake Wesley Rogers. And the chorus is "Hate on me, hate on me, hate on me. You might as well hate the sun." And the reason that that just oh, is because so much of my life has been dealing with the idea of people pleasing and um, feeling shitted on and then having to deal with like when I, when my favorite self is somebody that people don't like the way I'm moving through the world and who I'm becoming and they have, you know, it becomes sandpaper. Like I just become irritating to be around because I'm changing. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've had to deal with the fallout that that creates. And so this idea of like, I, it's, I am not too much. Like I am a lot and I love being a lot mm-hmm. and I am intense and sure I am serious. And yeah, I do talk about deep things. And if that's not, if like you have a problem with that and I rub you the wrong way, then like go find another room, put on some sunglasses, but like the shut, the sun, it is bright and it shines and it might be a little too much for you sometimes. So just leave the room and put on some damn sunglasses, but it's not my problem to manage. I'm going to keep shining bright. And so I love that song. It's called Pluto. And it's because it's just a reminder to like, just keep shining. Even if you're too bright for some people, it is their problem, not yours. Ah, I'm going to look that up. I love that. That is so cool. So tell me your favorite book besides yours. I know yours, but. (laughs) I don't even know what I call my own book, my favorite book. But um, so I, it's really hard to name a favorite book, but I will tell you, I will answer this through, you know, what is the book I like to gift others the most? Okay. And, um, I would say that that book is a book called a million miles in a thousand years by Donald Miller. And it talks about, um, the premises of telling good stories. So like writing a movie, it moves through the hero's journey, um, which the hero's journey is studied, you know, in, in English by like every English major and whoever took an English course in college. Um, but the hero's journey is like really how to tell a good story. And so Donald took that and applied it to people's how, how to apply that in your own life. Um, and that you can write your own story. And so I love that because we always, we always have ownership over our lives. We always have ownership over our stories. And if we are not telling a good story with our lives, then we are also in full control to change it. And so, um, yeah, I love, I love, uh, giving that book to people. That is awesome. That's cool. I like Donald Miller. All right. And a quote you try to live by. Sure. That also changes. And, um, I have so many, so I'm going to share two. Okay. Um, 
one is the quote that I always come back to. And then one is the one I'm using like right now for my growth. So I am forever coming back to Brene Brown on authenticity and that authenticity is a daily practice of, um, oh crap. It's like, it's, it's left my brain. Cause I'm not looking at it right now. Um, the daily practice of being who we really are not who we're supposed to be or something like that. Anyways, I completely messed it up because I don't have it in front of me. Um, but anyways, love me some Brene Brown. Um, oh gosh, that is really going to bother me. Authenticity is the daily practice of being who we are, not who we're supposed to be. Mm, that's going to, that's going to irk me. I'm going to have to look that one up. It's so okay. Probably. But anyways, the one, the mantra that I'm like repeating to myself every single day right now, that is my personal growth right now is let it be easy. Mm. Let it be easy. Um, and that is because I am somebody who has spent my lifetime overcomplicating things, making it harder than it has to be. Um, and I just, I just constantly am reminding myself to let it be easy, choose a simple path. Like, even if I'm making up stories in my head of how something, what's the easy solution? What's the easy way out? Like, I just keep asking, reminding myself, like, I can let this be easy. It doesn't have to be hard. Everything does not have to be a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I like about you is that, you know, as you take people on this journey, as you coach people, you yourself are always working on you. And I, I love that about anybody who does this kind of work. And so I appreciate your time here today. I thank you so much for sharing these nuggets with my crew here that listen. Uh, I make sure I'll put your website, uh, Facebook handles and everything in the show notes so that everyone can contact you. And listen, if you really want to examine your favorite self, you want to figure out who you are, you want to um, change your mindset, uh, work on the life wheel. I forgot to mention that, but there is that wheel, which is which also helps you look at where you are in different phases of your life and you know, if you want to improve some things, reach out to Sophia. She does work virtually. I believe she has clients nationwide and I truly enjoyed working with her. Um, I consider her a friend, a coach, and um, I would encourage you to get with her, work with her. Thank you All so right. much. I Googled the quote. So can I read the right one? Because yeah, you it's going to hurt me so much. Okay. And this would be such a great closing note too, for the, for, for so many things that came up today in our conversation. So the proper quote is authenticity is the daily practice of letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. Yes. That is a great closing quote. Thank you so much for that. You are welcome. You guys have a great day. Bye.